0: Thanks on all to Fearless in Devotion, the Wrexham AFC podcast sponsored by the Fat Ball Bar and Restaurant. Uh, You can find us on various social media platforms, uh, Twitter, Instagram and YouTube now. You might even be watching us on YouTube now. If so, welcome. Uh, Before we forget, though, have you remembered to buy the latest Fearless in Devotion fanzine? If not, what are you doing? Andy, got one
1: there. What's in it? Uh, pages, pages of stuff, great stuff. Content. Um, everything you want. Yeah, we're all about content. Uh that's in it. Paul Mullen, packed full of packed full. It is literally I don't we can't make a better one than this.
2: Elliot question, questionable top Trump's legends points.
1: Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I mean the older ones, because I've never sort of really saw Graham Whittle, Di Davis, or or Billy Ashcroft play. Um yeah,
2: but Richard Hope.
1: Well, I did sort of say you'd you be a legend by, you know, it's sort of like if you're talking about someone in a pub, that enters the sort of iconic, the iconic status. And he, him, Mahati Malongo have got iconic status because we're still talking about them now, even though they were shite. Buy um, the
3: fanzine to find out how wrong Andy is on the, uh, on the, on the cup, Trump's points and then definitely tweet him and tag him in. Uh, with yeah, like you've on been doing well.
1: all week. Thanks for
3: that. <laughs> it's all right mate no, speaking all of I do, all i want to do is entertain
0: and you do it so well and speaking of putting more money into our and these um bulging coffers uh, we have coffers? another you, they're yours mate we have another thank you this week don't we after a rather desperate plea for more zoom uh space
1: yeah we've got the zoom space um, I actually went through the trash and uh, reclaimed a lot of old uh, a lot of old interviews we could actually put them on YouTube I reckon things like big big den Dennis Smith uh, we could probably chuck those up uh, but yeah it's nice to, uh, it's nice to keep them for prosperity really because we've got them on the pod but you know they're all down on video so why don't we why don't we just chuck them up we'll call it Listen devotion classics lot of thought went into that.
0: It's like Dave Javu isn't it? isn't it? This is, or oh, is it like Dave Javu? Not really. Well,
3: yes, it no, could no, be, really. I suppose.
0: Uh, but who, who was the chap who did a very generous uh, donation? Didn't he? Um, Gareth
1: L. Collins bought thirty coffees. Now Gareth um, set up Red Passion. Remember when the original Passion and told-
3: best. Yeah. Original and best administrator of Red Passion
1: before the evil despot Rob Taylor took over. Mm. Um, it was it was Gareth Gareth Collins. I, I remember Gareth when I first started the and Mail. We did like a predictions league, and Gareth was one of them with Bryn Law
2: and Pete Davis. Remember Pete Davis? He used to do. He used yeah, he did. Um, um, he did the Red Passion fanzine, didn't he? Where did he go? Then he disappeared. He, used to, he was just a big, tall fella. He used to hang around on the edge of the cop. Um, Looked a bit like uh, Tim Vine, the comedian. That's all mm, I can remember. Yeah. Speaking
0: of bread um, passion, I know it's gone to the dogs since Rob oh. Taylor took over. But I, I know that I, I, someone mentioned
1: Liam. <laughs> Why? Well, someone that, mentioned you've been scaring. No, no, no. Some, someone,
0: it. someone mentioned that uh, Liam started up some kind of podcast wars. And <clears> what's happened?
3: It's quite convoluted. Basically, I offered my expert opinion on the uh, prospective signing as of Nick Powell, as you do, saying that I thought it was a bit risky. Someone didn't like it, uh, and then someone called Buffalo Bill got a bit personal, um, and then someone else joked that Buffalo Bill was our good friend Nathan from Rob Ryan Red, which of course it wasn't. That somehow become fact, and there's now a podcast rivalry Fred, on Red Passion, so yeah, my my sarcasm and dreadful wit has, has sparked all sorts of chaos. Okay, give us the...
2: Give the the deets. So who is Buffalo Bill, and, and how did he make it personal?
3: All right, I know there's,
0: the, there's no need to go over personal instances. What I will do is I'm going to open up this page. I'm just at random here, let's have a look. Oh, there's a comment here that says Reese is the goat. That means the greatest of all time, uh, according to the youngsters uh, from both podcasts, fearless devotion and Rob Roy Redder It has to be said, Swansea boy done well. Always interesting when we get comments like that. Thank you very it's much. Your burner
3: account a, there, isn't it? I I,
1: his- I can't remember Reese before the takeover. I don't think he really was a fan. So <laughs> I think ex- he I didn't just- even exist. Uh, yeah. Um, who do we have to fight then? I- I'll take on Saltley. Oh. Uh I don't. I-, I don't know
2: what it it's is four on two, to- so it would be. It would I mean, be there's, four a- Although, there's four of us. Although, I, I want to the- I wanna- I know why I'm fighting it. If somebody's just called Liam a bit of a. Saki dick then that's not the be all and end all but if no. he's made it super personal then it's different story. Oh, oh, yeah. hang on a, hang on a
3: minute let, let me dig let me dig it out apparently he can't
2: know what it was
1: yeah he hates oh, that shams. absolutely oh here we, here we go
3: here we go so <laughs> i am a minor partner in the podcast hey he knows <laughs> he knows <laughs> right and and i'm not very good at at it it's i assume being podcast And my questions to Ryan and Rob were banal at times. I'd say facile as well as banal, but there we go. Uh, Come on, buck up and do some research. Then I could come to like you maybe. I mean, that is definitely what I'll be doing because that's how I spend a lot of my time is worrying about what people on the internet think of me, so
0: that said please do give us your feedback we, we promise not to disparage it as much as we just have some honest feedback of Liam uh, always appreciate your emails uh, which is fidzine at gmail.com um Reece, so please yes
1: before uh, we've we've had it well it's not an email it's a text to me from friend of the show Henry yeah. Henry Jones who says is this the best looking Wrexham squad ever I mean I don't think there's an ugly one am- amongst them is there
0: I think it's up there.
1: And you know what?
0: I can't remember if I said it on the podcast. I and I um last year, oh well, my gosh, crazy how time flies. It was about two years ago now. I remember when before the takeover happened and Rob and Ryan uh lent the club money to buy Tyler French and Dio Angus in that January in that January transfer window. And I Googled it and they had both done some male modeling. And I was concerned that we were signing players based on their appearances, and maybe it has continued. And the football, the footballing is just a bonus.
1: Yeah, who's the most handsome in the squad at the moment and who's the most re- handsome Wrexham player ever? I reckon Anthony Ford is an absolute dreamboat. I was going to say I agree with Anthony Ford because it looks
0: effortless to him, where some of the boys, you can tell, there's a lot of grooming going on.
2: Mm. I'm going to go for Elliot Lee, um, just a beautiful boy with or without beard. But if, if, in, in the interests of uh, balance and because we've we've gone into this weird, uh, ugly, shaming uh, situation, we're going to have to fall balance say who we think is the ugliest player of all time. Not in the current squad or previous oh squads, my but God. because the chances are they're never going to listen to it. Hopefully. Absolutely
0: not getting me taking part in any kind of ugly shaming, which is you have started and no one else.
2: You can't say this is the most beautiful one and then not counterbalance it. Yeah, you can. I think I think you
3: can. Yeah, I'm, tell, I'm okay, Tim, okay, you tell us
2: yours. Tell us yours.
3: John Newby. Yeah. I'm just going to Don, say that I would take right Andy Cannon on a date to uh, to Nosley Safari Park. That would be my uh, dream racks and play date because it would be like having David Attenborough there in the car with you. He could just give you all the details of all the animals.
1: Um, to anyone who doesn't know uh, the backstory of that, uh, Andy Cannon likes lions.
0: He loves lions, apparently. Um, Anyway, before we get uh, down too much of a rabbit hole with that, um, let what can we talk about fixtures? Uh, Tim and Andy did a bonus podcast in the week where they discussed it mainly, uh, and in detail. But um, Liam, anything stand out for you?
3: Uh, I just I just think it really hit home when I saw the, the fixtures. I hadn't really thought about the date coming up too much, um, and when I saw them, I was I was just excited by the by the sort of you know the names that were on there, the first few fixtures. Um, look really good just to get back into life in league football. Got MK Don's Panto villains of the league, or is that us? I don't know. Um, yeah, followed by Wigan, who I think one of my first Wrexham games was against Wigan, so that's quite nice for nostalgia. And then um, AFC Wimbledon, the real Don's. So really tasty set of fixtures to get our teeth into, and it made it. It just made it all that more real for me. Just felt like a kid at Christmas.
0: Mixed feelings for me because um,
1: can't make, yeah. can't I can't make Yeah, I
0: can't make s- AFC Wimbledon uh, because mm. I'm in Mallorca, and it was, which is a, a wonderful problem to have. Uh, but I would probably rather be at uh, Plough Lane. Um, uh, and then I didn't realise this initially because I didn't. Uh, the date didn't. Um, Bring a, a bell in my mind, but I, I've got a flipping wedding because uh, at the same time as the Forest Green away game, and I was very much excited for that for logistical reasons. However, Newport is free, um, Newport away, which is the key one for me, um, as well as Swindon. On that's a good one, and Walsall. That's a good Christmas doubleheader away, which I'm looking forward to
1: making both. Why don't you? Uh, why don't you break up the happy couple?
0: It's it it is an option. It's something that's been considered. I- um, um yeah.
1: Well, right. I think. Can we, are we gonna do Liam's transfer rumors?
0: I I,
2: I just oh, think yes. we just need to pick up on something there. If you're not watching this on YouTube, I, I really recommend that you should. Because when Liam just said then oh, I was like a kid at Christmas, I was expecting like a happy, smiley face to pay off and it looked like somebody had just shot his dog. Yeah, I don't know what what happened then. He just went, kid at Christmas. And then and something happened it
3: to you at Christmas, Liam. I'm just, no, I'm just still thinking it's about that Brad to passion, you. Fred. It's it's really yeah. made me sad. That that, that was
2: the that, that was the reaction of a minor partner. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just
3: I'm just trying to I'm just trying to think of how to buck up uh, my ideas and do some research. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Difficult times. You got the cap, so that's all the research you need. My thinking hat. Mm-hmm. Right. Come on. This is it's time Liam, for everyone. time come to on,
0: shine, right. Liam, Andy, come on. Stop. Okay. It's time for your favorite feature. Liam's Transfer Rumours. It. Like it. uh, it's so village, but this is the part of the week when Liam gives us the latest on the Transfer Rumours. Liam, what have you got?
3: So I've been speaking to my good friend, the top secret agent, inch high private eye, that is Wonderboy. And he's got all the fresh details. So on the Nick Powell front, so we've been linked this week pretty heavily with former Manchester United player Nick Powell. Um, I think it seems to be varying thoughts on what's his best position. You know, is he a midfielder? Is he a forward? Quite decent pedigree by all standards, albeit he's had a few issues with injuries. So the boy, wonder that is Wonderboy Boy says... There is legitimate interest in Powell. Um, so what what are people's thoughts on on that as a potential signing? Because I'll give you mine, which is that I think it's, uh, you know, he, he's a, he's a decent player. But for me, I think we're probably looking at higher wages than perhaps we've seen in the past. And I just think the injury record's a bit of a concern, but interested to hear what others think. You're right on the injuries. He's quality. He'll be
1: absolutely quality in League Two, but can you guarantee 25, 30 games from him? I'm not sure. Um, as I said to Tim in the mini pod, I think it's a dangerous precedent when you break the wage structure because the likes of Mullin will quite rightly want parity. I know we're going to do that at some point, uh, but you know, do we need to do it at the moment with such a such a seems such a well balanced squad? And there's a question mark over if he signs Jordan Davis for me. I mean, you know, he didn't. He had a great season before. He didn't have a great season last season. But this, we all love one of our own, and I really want Jordan to flourish. And I think there's a chance that he could even get into the Wales team with with Mullin if he gets a run. So you know, I don't want to sign someone and and consign him to 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 the bench. Yeah, sounds
2: fair. I I I don't know. It's, It's a weird one, isn't it, Powell? To weird, and he's got a lot of games under his belt for was he 29, I think. thereabouts, like
3: yeah, about that age. Yeah,
2: was it 300 football league appearances, something like that? Um, I'm just trying to think, I'm trying to maybe unfairly compare, but I'm sure there's been other players that have lost their way through injury and have kind of, kind of got back on track when they found a club that fits them. Um, and with the greatest of respect to Stoke, they've kind of not not falling off the off the tree, but they're not the sort of team they were, you know. Um, so you've settled in Cheshire, won't have to commute far. That's a big pull, I'd imagine. Um, it's a big statement sign if we land him. But again, it's the whole thing of well, if we do land him, that's great, but then how many games is he gonna play? Um, that's the key thing. And I I kind of inclined to agree with Andy that I think. Because of how good we were last season we've almost forgotten how good of a player Jordan Davis is. I think it's kind of been almost not forgotten about, but I think it's almost been sort of swept aside a bit at how good he is, as was proven the season before last when we had a weaker squad and he stood up to be counted so'd be very interesting to see him have a of a get all his injury things out of the way, get a decent full preseason under him and see where he goes but <sighs> You know, we can we can afford to have the competition, can't we? So if if he it's a win-win. If he doesn't sign, it's not the not worst case scenario because we've got plenty there anyway. And if he does sign, happy days. It'll boil loads more piss up and down the country.
1: Reece, what do you think?
2: Um
0: yeah, I, I kind of agree with um Andy. Yes. Um Getting. So well done. Um no, I, I, it lo- looks great. Um, I, I just wonder, is he a priority? Are there, considering when we're considering it's really minor surgery, two or three players tops, is it a kind of luxury that we don't really need right now? Um, you know, attacking midfield is somewhere where really strong might mean a change of formation, which would be great. So, uh, But as I say, I'm, I'm sure that people who know an awful lot uh, more about football than me uh, in the club will know exactly what they want, and if they're signing him, then they're signing him for a reason. But, Liam, any, any other rumours?
3: Yeah, just the one more bit, uh, relatively brief this week. But um, so people might r- recall earlier this week there was a bit of um, Ferrari, is that the word? Um, about uh, Tom O'Connor potentially leaving. Some seem to think it was happening imminently, but ultimately nothing happened. And Phil Parkinson was quoted in a press release as saying there'd been no contact. But I'm led to believe there has been a bid of just under a million made for his services. Uh, Although the player himself wants to stay, which for me is fantastic news, just because if that is the case, I think we've said it before on this podcast, that he's one of those players that he can follow you up the league. So I, I do genuinely think he's he's that good in midfield. When we played our best this season for me was when he was there. I know he got shifted back into defence and actually I thought he did a really good job there as well. So it just goes to show how, how important he is really. So if that is all accurate, then I, I hope there's no major you know, increase in off and I hope he does stay because he's absolutely superb.
0: If that is accurately, and then you call in Phil Parkinson a liar.
3: I wouldn't play poker with the guy. I think he is good at keeping things um, under wraps, you know, and and am with good reason as well. You know, you don't, you know, decent managers are like that, you know, there might be some sort of technicality in it that, that means what he's saying is, yeah. is true. Yeah, but, can, um...
2: can somebody splice the TikTok video that Phil, Phil Parkinson was in with Oli Palmer this week, splice his look and, and Liam Randall from this, uh, <laughs> this card and splice it just just for that, that little ditty alone that'd be quite quite a nice exchange somebody get onto it please
0: <laughs> so we're hoping that so it looks like tom o'connor staying as you say I see that sounds great news any more any more to add to the table Liam
3: that is uh, pretty much it for this week but um I'm sure more to follow from the boy wonder
0: right well no we're not gonna play the um the jingle again um, one other thing, the COP uh, all seems quiet, no movement. Liam, you're generally a COP correspondent.
3: Yeah, it's all a bit. There's, an, there's been no official line. Um, people have tried to do the, you know, they've done a f- couple of drone videos, but there hasn't really been any movement as such. We've still got the that fourth uh, floodlight in place, which hasn't been replaced with a new one yet. Uh, again, varying reasons. People are quoting something to do with a water tank near it wouldn't have a clue I think it would just be good just for the club just to give even if it's just one line to say you know things are still on course but you know just a couple of issues dying out something like that because I think it's getting to the stage where you would you do wonder I think their 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 aim was to have it open for you know season after the one coming up so I just wonder it was scheduled to start the beginning of June does it put it in doubt I don't know that's why it'd be helpful to have yeah, just a line from the club just to say what the latest is.
2: I was, I, I went there the other day to uh, to show a friend, who's a Leicester fan, um, who's been taken by the whole Wrexham story. And um, you can walk up to the original uh, access gate, the back of the cop, big, it's battered, you know, it's red, there's barbed wire at the top, that still exists. But when, when you walk up to it and you have a look, you don't realise the amount of space there is there I mean it's massive it is massive and I think it's, it's obviously giant cop mega store potential parking space definitely going to be some sort of uh, memorial to the grassford um disaster but it's just huge and you don't realize how big it is and when, when you think that Crispin Lane's probably going to be pedestrianized as well for the purposes of that yeah it's going to be it's going to be pretty big, but I think they've done the hard work by getting all of that leveled off. So I imagine it's like anything it, has got to go up, it'll go up quite swiftly. So I, I agree. Awesome. Yeah. I so
0: it all seems to be well. Don't listen to Liam scaremongering, basically. Right. Uh, are <laughs> well, we going to do well, a very big news. U-
1: big news of the week? What's the big news? I've just booked my flight to Philadelphia. Hey.
0: Good for you. Um, I'm really pleased <laughs> for you. Uh, Let's uh, let's move on. Um, we got a new feature <laughs> of the of the podcast now. Uh, as it's just over a month until the uh, season begins, uh, we thought we would have a weekly debate about who would we would like to see start uh, in each position. Um, considering that goalkeeper is pretty much a given, uh, Tim, would you agree? I and mean, we were all going Ben Foster, right? Should we move straight on to defence? Yeah. So defense, who wants to, who wants to go first?
1: Well, no, I'm still wounded by that.
0: <laughs> okay. I'll go first. Um, so presumably we're sticking with a three, five, two. I'm going to, I'm going to not include the, the wing backs for now. I'm just going to go set the backs. Um, well let's do wing backs next week. Let's just do centre backs then this week. My back three, I think for day one would be, uh, Ben Tozer in the middle, uh, Owen O'Connell on the left hand side, on the right hand left hand side of defence, and Hayden on the right, and wow. those would be my three. I'd have Jordan Tunnicliffe on the bench.
1: Wow, um, I would probably have O'Connell O'Connell on the bench and have and start Tunnicliffe. I just think he's 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 makes us so solid, heads everything away. You don't know what you're up against in in League Two for a bit, so go with the, the dependable Tunnicliffe. and O'Connell's good to you know O'Connell can come in off the bench and. He can play either, any of the positions, at the back line. So he's
2: a good one to, to bring on. Yeah, probably the same, to be honest. Um, but Hayden's got to go straight back in because we kind of, you know, it, I think it took us a while to get that long ball working again, toes us throw um, for somebody to connect with it. And it was always Hayden, won it, for the most yeah. part. So to get that clicking again will be a massive, massive advantage And uh, the door. In, in our armory um, and yeah I think I like O'Connor I really do I just I just feel like of a bit more mobile um, I think we're going to need that because there'll be a lot more a uh, lot more pace in this division so I think we need that uh, that kind of advantage in the back line as well I, which is a bit ridiculous because Toes is probably the slowest however he's probably the most consistent as well so there we are
3: uh, if anyone ordered a controversial take from Mr. Sarcasm. Um, so I would start O'Connell over Hayden at right centre-back just because uh, I was really impressed with the way he came in when Hayden got injured. That was part of the difference for me between this year and last year. When Hayden got injured, we replaced him. with we a really decent quality defender. And I just think overall he offers slightly more in defense and I'd like to see Hayden perhaps phased in a bit more depending on you know how he's getting on with his injury. that's just my take and I'm sure it might prove controversial but yeah.
0: Sounds like a desperate attempt to be controversial to stop being described as a minor <laughs> partner to me, uh, but uh, an interesting call nonetheless. Um, so I think we've been my, my reasoning for O'Connell over Tunnicliffe, I'm, I'm a big fan of Tunnicliffe. I think he turned our season around um, when he, when he came in last year. Um, I just think that O'Connell is a really good footballer, really good at the ball at his feet, and you know might be able to shine a bit more in League Two, but I think we've been outvoted. So two to one, back three, we're going with Tozer, centre-back, and then O'Connell and Hayden. Uh, So next week, we'll discuss the wing-backs. Anything else now before we go to part two of Dean Saunders? Uh, There's going to be a player, there has been a player of the season vote?
3: You can vote now on the um, club's website. There was a couple of people querying what happened to the player of the season awards, but it's all... All pretty much ironed out now. The votes up there, and I have made my vote, which is very uncontroversial, I think. Uh Um, Mullin Player of the Season, and then I think I went for yeah Barnett as Young Player Mm -hmm. of the Season, just because he was only with us for a short time. But again, another player who I just thought the impact was again a real difference maker for us towards the end of the season. Not
2: sure. are we well, doing the rest
3: of the team? Sorry for this start. No, yeah,
2: for what? Sorry,
0: well,
2: for the, re- the rest of the team for this, to start the season. Yeah, every
0: week, Tim. It? It's five weeks to go before the season, so next oh, week we'll okay. do wing
2: backs. Oh, okay, right. Okay. Pay attention. Explain this all.
3: Got to get mileage out of tonight, out these matches.
2: Can, can we do? Can we do like a, a terrible Twitter take of the week as well? Because I've got one.
0: <laughs> okay.
2: What is it? Uh, Gillingham were a bigger football club than Wrexham, according <laughs> to Gillingham's American owners this week. Um, yeah.
3: Thoughts? Immediate thoughts. I yeah. love Americans, and contrary to what I said last week, uh, <laughs> I think whatever they say is great. I love all of them. And be, now, being serious, I get I get where he's coming from in that when I, since I've followed Wrexham, Gillingham have always been above us in the in the league structure, pretty much. So it depends what you define as big, doesn't it? You know, do you go on crowd? Do you go on league positions? Do you go on history, etc. Uh, I know you mentioned European Knights, Tim, as something in I know, our favour. Yeah, I, I get where I you are coming from with that. A, somebody said it's a, it's a cheap
2: shot, but again, it's like, how do you, how do you measure successful football team yeah. and what's big and what's not? I just thought the way, the way he, he said it was like, it was Man City versus, you know, uh, Kings Lynn. We just came across a bit like that, so. But yeah, but we'll see. We'll see what happens when we play him, man. All, all I think I want to think of Gillingham is Paul Scally and Andy Hessenhaler. That's about all I know about Gillingham. So there we are.
0: Well, they're the biggest club in Kent and we're the biggest club in North Wales and that is uh, for Suicide. Uh, but that's it now, I think. Shall we thank you everyone for listening to the part one uh, interview with Dean Saunders last week. Uh, some great um, reactions, some comments, I believe. Anyone read? Uh, can we gen- do the
1: comments after part part, uh, we part can. two? Yeah, yeah absolutely. That.
0: Okay, um, here's part two, Andy. What can we expect in, in this part of the interview? Uh,
1: it's a lot funnier. He's really cranking out the anecdotes. They're good. The Chimbonda one's really good. He's got past the, the the two seasons where he didn't particularly perform well, and he he admits that, and now we're getting into the fun bits.
2: How many Take more play players team. does he name? Sorry? How many more players does he name? I could not oh, believe it. Millions. Everyone. But he was naming the Stevenage team at one point. I was like, it's just crazy. Absolutely. Mm. So, somebody on Twitter, I'll, we'll, we'll do this as a comment now, because it doesn't directly aim as, as such the, the pod but somebody said that it was a shame that Dean Saunders was kind of overlooked for the Wales job primarily because of encyclopedic knowledge of football I don't know what you think about that
0: well either way get ready for some more encyclopedic knowledge now here's part two of the Dean Saunders interview
1: A few sort of more quick fire Dean Saunders tricks of the trade. Now, one thing I can remember after um, post-match interviews was you seem to have an obsession with throw-ins and corners. I think you once said that we had 442 attacking corners during the season. Is that the sort of thing you were really counting? Um, well, yeah, I mean, and I and I'll give you
4: some I'll give you some stats now, right? So <laughs> so when you, when I talked to the team, I said, right. Before we go out on the pitch, there's 72 goalkeeping distributions on average in a Premier League game, right? Just not Premier League, say, sorry, like in a conference game. There was, I'm just saying these figures now, right? I don't know what they're at. There's 72 goalkeeping distributions between both goalkeepers. So when we've got the ball, say we get 35 and they get 35, just say for argument's sake, 35 each. So, if the ball ends up at one of our players' feet, when we've got the ball, that means we've got the ball 35 times. If we can steal half of their 35 by being organised, so we end up making them give the ball back to us,
1: yeah, yeah, okay. we've
4: now got the ball 50 times before we even set foot on the pitch. There's also an average of 72 throw-ins in a game. So when we take our 35, we throw it to a red shirt. We've got it 35 times. When the opposition take a throw in, they can't throw it anywhere we're that organized and we get, uh, we're going to go over it in training that they cannot throw the ball anywhere apart from down the line. And we end up stealing half of their throwings. So that's a hundred times we've got the ball before we've even walked out. We're if we, if we, we worked it out as well, because this is what I had to sort through. If you give more than 12 free kicks away in your own half, you normally concede a goal in the conference. Right. So stop fouling. Stop, stop giving stupid fouls away when players are on the touchline, going nowhere, you shove them in the back, they put the land of the Giants, come up, Mark Roberts, John Ashton, and they get on the end of a and you get beat from a set play. So I got, I got it down from 16, we were averaging, down to 8. Yeah. So... All these little things, this 12 corners averaging a game. Let's work on, let's make sure we got a plan, make sure we're organized that we add them out. So you've got, you're going to get possession of the ball today just by being organized and knowing what you're doing. If we can play football and we add that to the basics, but whatever happens today, you make sure you do the basics, what I've just talked about. Yeah. And we're in the game. We are in the game without actually playing any football. We can get possession without just by being organized. So I don't know, I don't know the corners. I must have been counting them that season. Because I'd always say to the players, do you know we've had 440 corners? How many have you got on the end of? How many of you? What are you going up for? If you don't want to edit, tell me. I'll put somebody else up there. I used to make a point because some defenders go up there because they're big. They don't want to be up there. They've got no intentions of heading it. So I used to make a thing of, like, you know, if you go in the box, I want to see you get e- your head on the ball. Actually, I give Mike Williams, I'm not supposed to do this, I I, I give him, uh, I think I said the centre-backs, if you go up and score. I should give the defenders a goal bonus. All right. Not the strikers, the defenders, because the strikers get, they're yeah. supposed to score. But the defenders who go up like ornaments, as Ron Atkinson used to call them, they're like ornaments. I used to say to them, "Don't go up there like an ornament. Get on the end of the ball. I'll give you two hundred quid a goal, fifty quid a goal." I used to give them, you know, out my own pocket. By the way, just like not, not because it wasn't allowed, but um, yeah, I used to. We, we used to. I used to put things on them like that. That's why I knew the corner count.
1: Yeah. Okay, that, you know what? That makes absolute sense to me. Um, I get it. Uh, right. Did you used to batter the players doing well to get through to the players who maybe couldn't take it as much?
4: Yeah, I mean, what's your, what do you do for a living? Um, I, I, I'm a journalist. Right. So you, you go into meetings every day with the editor and the whoever the boss is, and you sit there, and there's different characters in your job. So you sit there, you've got the hard-as-nails journalist yeah. who's, who's got leather skin, who can take anything. Hmm. You've, got, you've got the aggressive boss, you've got the nice boss, and you've got the weak characters, or not weak characters, but you've got sensitive people. So say I wanted to get the message over to the, to the whole lot, to, to your journalist, our paper's got to improve. You're not churning enough stuff out. I'd aim it at the leather journalist. I wouldn't talk to the the other characters. They'd get the message, but I'm saying it to him. And I'd say, and you are the biggest culprit. It's the same in any job. I would say things to players who I knew could take criticism,
2: Mm.
4: but the ones who were sat next to them... He would seep uh, in. Hopefully they're listening and they think, I'm sure he's on about me. I'm not sure, but I think he's on about me.
1: Would you would you then go and talk to the to the the hard people after and say, look, you know that wasn't for you, or would you would that just be as red that you know they it, it wouldn't matter? Be like a water up and dot's back to them. Funny. I just remembered. So I'm manager at Doncaster. I've got
4: Pascal Chimbonda playing for me. Yeah, I, and remember
2: I that.
4: So Pascal is brilliant travelling with the ball going down the right. When he's got the ball at his feet and he's traveling with it down the right, chop it inside the strikers. He could get to the byline. He could play one twos. He could get fouled. Brilliant footballer. Wasn't, wasn't so keen on defending. So one day on the training pitch, I shouted something to him and he's shouted back at me. Like, you know what you shouldn't shout to the manager. He shouted them two swear words, you know, across to me. So I went, stop the game, stop the game. So I walked over because you can't, allow, you can't allow players to talk to you like that when you're the manager because I've got young players there who I'm yeah. trying to... So I'm walking over thinking, right, I could make this worse. I said, Pascal, don't ever, don't ever say that to me on a training pitch. You can't win the argument. Even if you're right, I can't allow you to win that argument. I've got young players here. And as I was, everyone could hear what I was saying. So I turned him away, put my arm on his shoulder... And I went, Pascal, listen, if I criticise you because you're the player you are, the world star that you are, I know you can take the criticism. So whatever I say to you, just take it on the chin. Don't answer me back. I said, because, and by the way, on Saturdays, I might not be talking to you. I might be talking to the lad who sat next to you who can't take criticism. So he's gone, okay, gaffer, sorry, sorry. So we played Ipswich on the Saturday. He gives both goals away, first half, 2-0 down. I come in at half time. I walked in. Right, everyone in the room? Yeah. I said, Pascal, talk me through that 45 minutes you've just put in there. And he went like this to me. (laughs) (laughs) Like you know, all the players could see him winking at me. I did say, like, I know you're not talking about me. It's you're talking about him. Saturday. I was talking, no, I, and I couldn't say, I couldn't say, I'm talking about you. Don't wink at me. So I just had to go off. I had to go off, it backfired on me. I had to go off on this on a tangent. But yeah, anyway, in answer to your question, sometimes I would so you do you, it's just managing a group, in it, you know, they've all they're all different.
1: Yeah, no, no, I get it, I get it. Um can we just briefly talk about Brian Carey, who seemed to be a, a rock for you? I mean, not just at Wrexham, was it? He, he came, came with you to Doncaster. Wolves as well, I think he did. Yeah. I yeah. mean, how important was he? I, mean, he? I mean, he's a Wrexham legend, player, manager, assistant manager. He seemed to... He was around for years. A good guy, yeah? Oh, Diamond. Yeah. I, I, I
4: you know, I could trust Brian with my keys. Um, and Mal Purchase. Hmm. Miles is a great fella as well. But Brian, um, yeah, I mean, if I if I wasn't there, he'd act like me. You know, he, he wouldn't, like, let players get away with things. You know, he's a good coach. Um, I think, uh, yeah, and if I, if I went to another club, I, the first call I'd make is to Brian. That's the best compliment I can give him. No. If, I went back into management. I'd ring Brian straight away.
1: Right. Before I hand uh, I hand you back to, to Liam, we'll just go, sort of go through the last sort of season. How the hell did you change Nat Knight Percival from uh, a left winger to a centre half?
4: Well, he got... He got... Uh, he was averaging 11 goals a season for... What was that Houston, team? I mean,
2: his mean. yeah.
4: Yeah, and John Beck was his coach. He was manager. So... I'd watched him brilliant in the air, like a lot of his goals, headers. Um, and I thought, if I could get him, play him, play him on the left, um, he'd do a great job for us. And he'll get 10 goals a season. And we can kick goal kicks on him, you know, if we long throws on him. Anyway, I got him in my office. I said, How do you score most of your goals, Nat? He said, Regains. I went, Regains? I said, I've scored goals in my career. I can't remember scoring a re What's a re Scored most types of goals. He went, and this opened my eyes, and he never stopped learning in football. He said, well, John Beck's our manager, and what we would do, uh, we would get a throw in down the right wing. I would wait on the halfway line. We would throw a ball into the near post, we would make a ring of five players on the edge of the box around the near post, so going back out to the right. So whenever that ball got headed out, we had five players, including the thrower, that it was going to drop to. And we would allow the opposition to head it out. They thought we were trying to win the flick on, but we would let them head it out on purpose. And you've got one touch to hit the back post with the next ball. And I would creep from the halfway line up to the back post and the baller gets stood up around the back after they head it out. And I thought, that sounds like a good idea to me. <laughs> and then what I said, what else? He said, well, and you're not going to believe this and, and anybody listening is not going to believe it. He said, you know, when you see corners being taken and it drives the crowd mad when they hit the near post all the time, drives every supporter mad.
1: Yeah, it drives me mad. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Well, you Are going to change your mind now? I'm about to change your mind. I don't know. He said, so what we do, we'd ring the side the corner taker was taking it. We'd put three players on the, this corner of the box in a half circle. And we did hit the near post on purpose. We'd hit the man in the hole. We'd put it right on his head. So he headed it out to one of our players. You've got one touch between you. To hit the back post again, I would creep from the halfway line and get get on the end of a cross to the back post, it was all a plan so I said to him any chance of you doing it for us so we started doing it, I thought well I'll, John Beck, clever man you know, different style of football but I thought I'd never thought of that, I've been in football all my life it, Hit the near post on purpose and th- let people head the ball out the box on purpose and he's creeping in there Anyway, he was doing all right, and I thought to myself he would. He's that good in the end. He's that brave. I'm sure he could play centre half. I'm sure he could. And I, I, played him in training. I played him in games, and I was. He, he ended up making a career as a centre back. Yeah. he went to Shrewsbury, Peterborough, Bradford, Cross, Bradford. Yeah. yeah. So and lovely lad as well. Oh
1: yeah, um, a lot of people said he's he's a really nice fella.
3: Yeah, um, sort of coming up to that point, really, I think it was probably it was just um, towards the start of your final season. Uh, that close season period, and you brought in the likes of Jake Spate, Danny Wright, and I think everyone could see that you know this was a squad that could really take us places. But then at the same time, we had a situation where um, players weren't getting paid. I think, if my memory serves right, some of them sat out of one of the pre-season Games, what was going through your head at that time?
4: Uh, well, all I was interested in, all I was interested in is getting the team to win. Every decision I made, everything I said, or everything I'd done was all coming from the right place. I just wanted the team to win. I was, I was, I was just like driven to get the best team on the pitch, and when you run out of money. Uh, and it gets to the point where players aren't getting paid, then as a manager, you're in trouble because it's hard to motivate players who aren't getting paid. You know, they're all worried about the mortgages. Actually, I got some money together and I said, right, lads, I want you to be honest. Out of If one out of ten, if tens you're in desperate trouble, right? Coming, well, like, sorry, yeah, tens, 10, 10 I'm in desperate trouble. Come up and tell me, and I'll give you some money to get you through, pay your bills. So I think Curtis O'Brien came up first. He said, 10, gaffer, 10, I'm a 10. So I gave him his full wage. The next one come up, Mangy, I think, I'm a 10, gaffer. So they're all coming up. They're all coming up. Andy Morell, Gareth Taylor. Give it to someone else, Gaffer. Don't give it to me. I don't need it. But the ones who were, uh, the ones who were struggling, they, you know, I tried to give them as much to get them through. Uh, and it was obvious that, you know, I'd watched, I'd watched Jeff putting money in, and I'd watched actually. It, I think it, enough was enough, and. Uh, Jeff wasn't putting the money in that he was. So then the supporters got together, didn't they? And um, they got that money together to take over the club and try and save the club. But there was a, there was a point where the payers weren't getting played and I had to. Some of them were coming up in tears. You know, what am I going to do? I've got two kids. i got my, my mortgage. I'm already behind on one payment. So... People don't see that side of it in football. You know, you seem like everybody thinks, you say you're a footballer, everybody thinks you're on 100 grand a week. Some of the lads were on 500, 400, 300 quid a week. Um, and they couldn't afford, they were living. That was that was just getting them to the end of the week. So they couldn't afford to not be paid. Um, and I thought I was going to lose all the players at the time, but I mean, that's football isn't it, you know?
3: Yeah, it's definitely a level, like you say, where it's not not as if you've got, lots of money to fall back on either um another moment um in order to start the season was when the fans rallied together to raise I think it was over a hundred thousand pound in a day um it's quite on, on the one hand it was you know quite an inspiring sight really to see you know all these people coming in with their money but do you do you think it should have got to that stage where you know where supporters had to come in with I don't know piggy banks and and what have you Well, no, it should should
4: never get to that stage. And and what goes round comes round. And look what's happened. You know, uh, uh, like all them people who give that money, that hundred grand that was raised or more. And, uh, you know, there was walking around the streets with a bucket, chucking coins in the bucket. And like people, you know, like you said, going into the piggy banks and, and raising money should never get to that stage. But it just shows what the Wrexham people are made of. That, does, that, that wouldn't happen at other clubs, you know, what happened there and the way they rallied round and the history of the club. Um, and they've been paid back for it. I'm really pleased for all that. All that that's when I say I'm pleased. The people I, who put their hand in their pocket when we were in trouble, because you don't find out about anything in life until something goes wrong. You don't find out if your bank's any good until something goes wrong, you know, you, you find out about people when things are going wrong. Everybody's your friend when you're winning. When you're losing, then you find out who, who your mates are and who's going to help you. And when, you know, the, what you call it, hit the fan, um, they stood up and, and kept the club going. Um, what is it, 10, 12 years later? Yeah. Who would imagine you'd have said? By the way, just put this money in, uh, and in about twelve years, two film stars are going to buy the club and take us right through the leagues. <laughs> we're going to make we're going to make eight million quid from a documentary. We're going to have banners up in LA. You you can't buy a shirt in America. <laughs> uh, Paul Mullins a superstar in America. Who would have thought that? What a story!
3: It's still it's yeah, still it. hard to, to believe now still yeah. hard to get your head around, isn't it? <laughs> I'm but just coming back well, going again. back
4: again. I'd like to say thank you now to, to all them fans for done that. Who, who, yeah. who put, put their hand in their pocket. It was it was brilliant.
3: When the um, Supporters' Trust took over, was that um, a relationship that you, that you could see working for you or not? Because obviously your departure came a short period after. I know that was because you had uh, you went to Doncaster. But do you think that's a relationship that could have worked? Um, well, yeah, I, I mean,
4: as a manager, you've seen the way management is. You, I, my budget got cut from what it was down to six, seven, five. Things weren't going the, in the, going the other way. My budget was getting cut and cut and cut. And then what you do when you, when your budget gets cut, it's not the players you bring in. It's keeping all of the ones who are doing well for you. And I I I could see as well we're going to struggle here to keep older some of these players unless you give them more money, you know like the the ones who the ones who were doing really well for the club who everybody else wants them you know they're all the, the vultures are circling, um, so I think yeah I could I, I could have stayed on but bearing in mind Doncaster were in the Championship and I was going to jump three leagues. Uh, yeah, is it yeah, four leagues? Three leagues to, to get yeah. into that into the championship. And these things only come your way now and again. Um I just without you know, I just I just took the chance that it come my way. Um I left Doncaster to go to the Wolves as well. You know, these things come your way. Um, and that's how managers move on, I suppose. And you know you lose you lose 6 or 7 games you get sacked so when the opportunity comes you do think is this ever going to come my way again maybe not a championship club wants to take me um i was obviously sad to leave but um i think the club got compensation for me a transfer fee and um you move on don't you
3: and andy morrell took over Yeah, I was going to say about that, actually. Um, Did you think that was a a good choice when you heard that Andy had been picked to replace you?
4: Yeah, because a new manager wouldn't have had a clue what we were doing every day in training and and what the formula was. The formula was we were winning and we were doing well and it took me two and a half years to get the formula in place. And another manager might, some managers, if they were really clever, would just come in and just let it carry on or some managers have got their other, their own ideas and think, well, I'm not going to do that. I want to do something else. So I thought Andy getting the job, um, he knows what we're doing. He's ready to, to go into management as well. You know, he's coming to the end of his playing days, but he carried on playing for a bit. Um, and I used to speak to him and try and help him. And, you know, because I still felt, you know, responsible for the team after I left, even, you know, I was hoping that, I didn't actually get the team where I wanted to get them into into League Two back in because I want you know Newport got Newport got back in the league, Swansea and yeah. Cardiff, and we needed Wrexham back in the league for Welsh football as well. So um, yeah, I thought it was good, and um, Keaty done a decent job
3: as well. Yeah, for, yeah, yeah. Another thought, leader there, definitely. Um, so you're saying, um, so would Andy, would you speak to Andy fairly regularly then um, after after you'd left? Did he seek your advice?
4: Yeah, I said, bring me if you need to know any, like you need anything. or And like say, you know, if they got beat, I'd watch the game. And um, I'd tell him my thoughts, just trying to help him. It's his first job in management and he needed help and he'd done brilliant for me. You know, some a lot of these lads took less wages to come and play for us. You know, Pogba, Mateus was playing for nothing. Brian used to pick him up every morning at his house and bring him into training. And Pogba had to wait till half five, six o'clock when we went on before he could go. So, so he had no. We didn't have to pay his expenses. We give him a lift in. Brian went out of his way, picked him up, brought him in, but he wasn't getting any money. And in the end, I give him hundred quid. I didn't have the money to give him. So I gave him 100 quid. Then he scored, started scoring. I gave him 300 quid. Um, and I think he ended up doubling that. And he went to crew, didn't he? And scored a load of goals for crew.
3: Yeah. Uh, yeah. He done well for the club. How gutted were you when we didn't um, go up that season then? Were you, were you still watching on when Andy took us into the playoffs?
4: Yeah. Yeah. And it, well, they were all my players, weren't they? So, and it was. Yeah, Johnny Hunt Johnny Hunt ended up Did he play in the final, Johnny?
1: Did he play He played up front in the final
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah That's it, he played, yeah Um, Yeah, and I was just uh, You know, I was just hoping that they could get up But as I said earlier And played higher up Is Is the, you know, because I when they signed, I promised them, when I was persuading them all to sign, I promised them, listen, you're not going to be here long. We're going to be, we're going to be up there in the next league and the next league, we're going in the right direction. And you won't, you won't be making a bad move if you sign for us. When they, after they leave you, they go on to better things. I think um, you get a bit of satisfaction from it.
3: Yeah, definitely. And I guess sort of you know bringing things round to, to to present day. What do you think about the club now? You know, and how far it can go? Because I think you've been quoted as saying that you think you know they can go all the way.
4: Yeah, do you know what I I'm pleased for you know Geraint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And John, um, the people who were there. I mean, I leave like Charlie was there, the groundsman. You know, like Kevin was there. There's there's the stewards. I remember going over to the stewards over the other side of the pitch one night and saying, thanks very much for what you've, what you're doing. You know, we can't be successful without you. And they, they were part of the club. They were there, all the stewards who go around and get abuse thrown at them sometimes. And uh, all the people working inside the club who watched us toiling for so long uh, to see what they are getting now is uh I mean, what Charlie must be thinking? He couldn't afford to get the lawnmower repaired at one point. <laughs> I, I mean, he's, I I have I've I've said to him, How many mowers have you got now? Every time I see him, how many mowers have you got? He said, I got loads now, loads.
3: <laughs> <laughs> he's a bit of a celebrity now, I Was at the King's Leon gig at the race course on Saturday? And who pops up in the middle of the crowd uh, with a big you know VIP tag on? It was Charlie and every he had people. On a mower. Yeah, Yeah, so he's a a celebrity now.
4: (laughs) Yeah, well, do you know what? It's like well done to Phil Parkinson, the manager, by the way, because, you know, there's other teams having a goal there as well. You've got like Notts County having a goal, Chesterfield are having a goal. You know, there's like big clubs throwing money at it as well. So it's not easy, like being as consistent as they've been. And obviously, basically, right, if you're in the conference, your budget goes on your strikers. You can get through defenders. You can, you know, you've got good characters. But if you've got five strikers, so you're never going to Gateshead away having to play two kids who are prom, who showing promise, but they get bullied away from moment Gateshead on a cold night. If you've got five strikers who've got a proven record at that level, but obviously it costs you a lot of money. You've got a lot of players sitting on the bench waiting for a game who aren't starting any team. So I think Wrexham right now, they've got forwards who can score. I mean, James Jones, who I've followed since he was a kid, he played in the same team as my boy Callum. Um, I know for a fact, James's little baby was born, I think 20 weeks premature. Yeah. And he, didn't, he didn't tell anybody apart from the manager and never, never let it affect his performance. And never never like pulled out of a game or anything, I don't think. No, he didn't. And that's the type of attitude you need from players in that in that league. Um, and I think Phil signed a lot of good characters there. Not just Paul Mullen who, who's getting all, all the the headlines. He signed some good characters right through that, that team.
1: Um very quick question for me. Well, we do a quick fire round, which we'll end with, but a very quick question for me. Do you think Mullen's good enough to play for Wales? Do you think he could? Um,
4: well, I'm looking around. We've got Kiefer Moore, Harris. Yeah.
1: Um,
4: Brennan. Who's, who else we got? Brennan. Brennan's not a striker, really. He's a wide player, but he can play up front. Yeah. Uh, but I think Paul is like, he's a handful. I mean, if you played him, if you played him in an international now next week, you won't get an easy game off him. Because not only does he score, he runs you. He, he runs in behind and he and he, he knocks defenders over, puts his foot in, jumps for headers, challenges. He's difficult to play against, as well as scoring goals. So I think if he gets goals next season in league two, by the way, he is staying, isn't he? That's oh, yeah. Yeah,
1: he's yeah. staying. I, I can't see him going now.
4: No, so... Unless but, you've heard something we haven't. <laughs> well, no, I mean, if you score goals, don't worry. I've always said this to, to strikers. nobody, You don't have to ask anybody for any money. You don't have to ask for a new contract. People notice if you score goals higher up and, and the vultures are circling for someone who can put the ball in the net. As a manager, I was always looking for a striker who runs in behind who scores. All managers are looking for that player. You can't get them to run that way and score. They keep yeah. coming towards the ball. So you're playing football in your own half all the time. But players who run in behind and stretch the opposition and work the socks off and score, you can't find them. They cost millions. So um, in answer to your question, if I was manager of Wales, I'd give him a chance. I'm not. I'm not. I, I would give him a chance because like, if he gets a chance away from home in Turkey, he'd bury it. You know, yeah. he's not going to suddenly become a bad finisher and he would get chances at that level.
1: No. also he's used to the pressure. I mean, he, he, he plays under so much pressure at Wrexham. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's not just the fans. It's, you know, there's there's a global audience on him, but he he, he shoulders that and he's the sort of player that when the chips are down, you look to Paul Mullin and Paul Mullin will get you out of the hole. Um, Right, I want to do a quick fire uh, round, five questions uh, from your time at Wrexham. Who's the first person who pops into your mind when I say who is the most skillful? Lee Fowler. Yep, no problem. Uh, who is the worst dressed? Chris Blackburn. Yeah, well, you uh, you know what? Absolutely answered that earlier earlier on. Uh, you can't, <laughs> loincloths, you can't be that, can you? Um, the biggest moaner?
4: Dean Keats.
1: Oh, right. Beating
4: Ashton. No, Keatsy was worse than Neil Ashton, Ashton. Th- another great lad. Yeah. Well, was, was
1: Keatsy a... worse because he was your captain, so he was moaning more to you? No, Keatsy, Keatsy is
4: like a pit bull terrier every day. Raging, got the hump, always got the hump, walking around with the hump. Um, uh, in, in games as well, he would like he was nasty. He's only small, but he was nasty, um, and he was always moaning. Yeah, Roy Keane, moans. Yeah. No, you know, he's a winner. Who is the most underrated? Most underrated player, I would say. Most underrated, I would say. Nathaniel Knight Percival. Yeah. For what he gives you all round, yeah. and. And he scores that end. He heads him out of your box. He blocks shots, things that other players don't like doing. But underrated, I would say, Nat.
1: No. And finally, who is the, who is the one player you would like to fight, or or it could be it could be a staff member. I'm thinking of one there.
4: Uh... Oh, Mal Purchase. <laughs> um, who wouldn't want to fight? Uh, See, if you have a fight with me, you're going to have to kill me. Because I'm, I'm going to keep getting back up until I get you. Um, I'm not hard, but, but I'm going to keep going until you kill me. So, so I'm just trying to think. Uh, Mark Crichton. Oh, probably. yeah. Um, Mark Crichton. I mean, Frank Sinclair could fight, I think.
1: Yeah. Frank
4: I you won't We're want
1: to talk about Aris with. Ooh. We're not even touched on Aberystwyth. with. What? That trip pre-season. Yeah. yeah. That that
4: seemed like a good idea idea at the time. Um, <laughs> my goodness. Uh, we won 5-0, you know. No, I was at the game.
1: I was at the game. Yeah. Absolutely played him off the Sorry? Five different scorers. Yeah. Yeah, no, I can remember. Uh, I didn't stay about for the night, which is just as well from, from what I I didn't, I didn't know about it. They kept it from me.
4: Um, but eventually, uh, it seeped through to me. But, you know, you, I remember, you know, like we take teams abroad for pre-season. We only had 30 quid a man. So the, the accommodation at the university, mm. they we I got a deal out of them. They charge us 30 quid per room. You know, so the old trip worked out about two and a half grand uh, to take the whole team to Aberystwyth. Um, and we won 5-0. I give them 350 quid spending money to go and have a drink at night. You know, yeah, boys, behave yourself. Don't get in any trouble. Don't let me have to come down to the police station and get you out. So behave yourself tonight. Yeah. But yeah. no, I'll turn the clock back a little bit because Jay Harris went through and I think he only had to slip Sizz in and he he took another touch. And Brian shouted, Jay, just put him in. And Jay, I think he turned around and said, That's where I would again. Yeah. Brian, I went, Get him off. Get him off. So, Johnny Hunt, on you go, Jay off. I said, John, uh, after the game, we won 5-0. I said, Jay, don't ever don't ever shout at member of staff. Don't ever swear like that in front of a crowd. All the directors, there's people sat in the crowd and you shouting back at the dugout. Mm. Yeah. yeah, he said, sorry. Sorry about that, Gaffer. I went, right, good. Go and enjoy it. It's finished. That's over with.
1: Yeah, yeah.
4: Anyway, I I don't know what happened. Um Well, I do know what 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 happened, but I'll let them tell you. I'll let them tell you what happened. They probably told you, do they? Have they already
1: told you? Do you know what? I can't remember what they've told us on the pod and what they told us after. So I don't really want to go through it because I might be I'm getting a bit (laughs) Dean. Dean, we're gonna have to tie this up. I've absolutely we both absolutely love talking to you. Some absolutely brilliant stories. My missus needs a tea. Um, this is the key, the key reason why we need to <laughs> not, not tie this up. But absolutely lovely. Just to say that, uh, I mean, I've talked to Dean's agent about doing this, and Dean's donated his fee for this to Nightingale House Hospice. So thanks very much for doing that, Dean. Uh, exactly. Thanks so much for coming up. Absolutely loved you coming on, um, and you know, brilliant, brilliant. Uh, listen to Dean on TalkSport.
3: Liam, final words. Oh, it's been an upset. <laughs> I, can't, I can't think where the last uh, two hours has gone, to be honest. We've had some uh, some good laughs, some good memories. Um, and hopefully people will enjoy listening to the stories from those great times as well. Thanks so much, Dean. Well, thanks to you both and uh, thanks
4: to everybody. Um, well done to the club. And um, I'm looking forward to the next three or four years because uh, I think the story's only just started. We are so, you know, at least I'm, I'm proud to say I've managed the club. Um, and I'm really pleased I've done it. Um, and uh, I only wish I'd got them up myself. I got We got a decent team on the pitch and we got beat in the playoffs, but I never got them promoted. Um, and that's one regret of mine, that I never got Rexham back in the league, but I did try my best. And everything I'd done or said, it was all... I was only interested in the football nothing else
1: no and I think that's come across I think that's come across I think your enthusiasm for everything has come across thanks very much Dean Saunders no problem thanks
0: That was part two of the Dean Saunders interview. Thanks again uh, to Dean and his team for for agreeing to do this interview. Really appreciate it. Um, people seem to be really enjoying uh, listening to it as well. Andy, some great sort of reactions because it's one that people have been asking for for quite some time, and we have we have been trying.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was good to get him. Um, and you know, once he started opening up, he, he didn't really stop. Um, uh, he, people say that you know. It, he sort of paints over paints over things a little bit but you know at the end of the day i, I just found him a very entertaining fellow and you can tell how much he actually cared for his team uh and the players that you played under him under him and how much you know he he really he really did for that squad uh the one thing i would say is i don't think a manager like that would get 2 years to experiment uh now dean did uh and i, I think just you know he did get it right eventually but we kissed a few frogs. For those two, two first two years. I'll
3: be honest.
0: Yeah, Liam uh, seemed to go down well uh, on some of the comments you've seen as well.
3: Yeah, definitely uh, got a few of them. So this one was a classic. From did uh, I Diablo Diablo on Red Passion? Can't help but like Dino. Uh, just someone just called Joe says one of my favourites. That one made me chuckle a few times. I'm looking forward to part two. Although, please, can you stop co-commentating on Wales games? <laughs> um, a couple of people picked up on the fact that he seemed to think he was manager for all the 98-point season. I mean, I think I think a few picked up on that. But in fairness to him, we did sort of caveat at the beginning. We're saying it's been quite a while. And, yeah, we'll, we'll let him off. We'll let him off on that one. Um and yeah, someone said even if there are a couple of half truths and memory lapses, uh, it was extremely enjoyable, which I think sums it up quite well. Uh, the only real negative was: um, do we have did we have an agreement in place not to slag off Jeff Moss? Andy, you signed all the contract details. That was the case, wasn't it? We signed an agreement not to, to slag off Jeff. <laughs> no. Uh, I mean, I had, I had a word with, with Dean beforehand. And uh, we said, I said, look,
1: I said, can, can we, we'll ask anything. And he said, yeah, nothing's off off limits. I said, look, we will ask you about Jeff Moss and the flats. He goes, he goes that's absolutely fine. People think I'm me and Jeff Moss were pals. We weren't really pals. Um, he asked me to come in and do a job. I did the job. All I was caring about was that team. Um, And I just wanted didn't I could see what was happening with the club with with money going out and I just didn't want the team to be derailed. Uh, Look, I I don't remember. Did we ask him that question? I know it was. was I don't think. I
0: don't think I don't think he did. But I do. But I think, you know, something that people can remember is that we get a certain amount of time with these guys and you you can't remember everything. Number one, uh, when it's not news night, number two. Uh, we will try and ask the most pertinent questions, but but you know we're generally we're here to reminisce and to ask questions about people's times here in, in an entertaining way. Uh, and I just, there was certainly we would never agree to explicit terms
1: with anyone, yeah. and we wouldn't do that.
0: Uh, so we can confirm that that's not true. Um,
1: but um, Look, so the at the end of the day, mate, at the end of the day, those flats are not there because of Dean Saunders.
3: Hmm. If anyone yeah. wants to take on uh, Jeff Moss. I would say he was a worse owner than Hamilton. And that opinion is solely that of Liam Randall and not those <laughs> of uh, Fearless in Devotion. But I just think in many ways, he succeeded where Hamilton failed. But I'll leave it at that.
2: Mr. Controversial. This is
0: this is the day that Liam became a major partner. Not just a major partner, but a, a major majority. Player. Majority. majority
2: partner. I'm a major yeah, something. Right. Joe
1: Rogan. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah can we get a million pound an episode on Spotify if we
3: yeah oh, I don't know.
2: if you want to hear more controversial takes from Liam Randall please buy us a coffee <laughs> um that would be great um it's in the link tree or buy us a coffee for us. idzine if um, you do it helps keep Liam controversial thank you much. if you
1: and if you want to send uh, Liam a bullet in the post we will put it there <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: and just to be clear as well we don't make any money from this podcast uh could not stress that enough Re- it really is that's how much it costs to run an operation this amateur we could have sold we <laughs> we, we could have sold out to talk sport like some unnamed podcast <laughs> uh Mm. Uh, and uh but we would never do that to you even if they offered us it on a, go- a golden handshake we would have said absolutely not because we are amateur and 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 we're proud, working, amateur I'm proud.
2: And, proud. Yeah. and on Half that note back at the start of this when you mentioned podcast wars <laughs>
0: <laughs> also yes, just uh, well i'll leave you uh wondering whether i'm joking or not but um yeah on that note thank you very much for your support as ever And um, look forward to next few weeks, where we've actually got another really, really good guest lined up. It'll be another two-parter. We're really excited to bring it to you. uh, So stay tuned for that. See you. Take
2: care. Cheers, everyone.